Tana Blat Gemara. It's the last Mitzvah Shabbos of Tufshin Pei Beis, and today's Blat is Daf Pei, and um, we'll start from the Mishnah in Tesla Beis on the bottom. <clears throat> Says the Mishnah, we're talking about uh, <clears throat> the laws of of Ksuva, and, uh, and, we, and what she brings into the Ksuva and her rights and her entitlements and so on. And we learned that Nichse Maloig. Those plucked properties that she brings in, and the husband gets the dividends, but she, in essence, owns the item itself. And then we had Nixi Turn Barzil, which he takes full responsibility, evaluate it, you put it into the Ksuba. And whenever they, if, if they divorce or if, or if he predeceases her, she takes it back, she takes the value back. Says the Mishnah. Okay. <clears throat> if somebody spent money on his wife's estate, on this Nixi Maloy. He spent a lot of money, but the dividends were very little. Or Kima, he spent a little money, but the dividends were great. Obviously, life is full of risks. That's the gamble you take. His expenditure, whatever it was, it was. And if he, if he received some dividends, that's how it is. The luck of the draw. This year you had a bad year. This year you had a good year. You can't go sit down and make calculations. Well, I, I invested more money than I reaped. So therefore, you know, reimburse me somehow. It doesn't work that way. You know, that's how it is, ups and downs. But what happens if Haiti, he spent money that year, but we're like, no dividends whatsoever. Or he spent money and there were no dividends whatsoever. Then Yishava Kama Haiti Vigito. Then he, since he did not receive any dividends, he's no worse than a stranger coming into a field and investing in a field. And the law there says, how you will learn Baba Kama to go into someone's field. And even though you're on a, even though you were not um, invited, if I invested money and there's and there's profits, you um I'm, you're entitled to get back some of that money. So he swears how much spent. You spent the money, and that's whatever it is. That's what it is. What, what page is it on that scroll? Seventy-nine. Seventy-nine B four. B four. The very 90, end. Yeah, the top is seventy-nine B four. Oh, top. Okay, sorry. Ninety-four. Seventy-nine. Ninety-four. Okay. Seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Yeah. B four. Okay. Maybe we should ban our scroll from this year. We'll save a lot of time. <laughs> Okay, you say that if he ate a little bit, he already got his dividends, he can't, it doesn't matter that his dividends were only a small fraction of the of what, the, what he invested, it doesn't matter. So how, what is the minimum? One dried fig, that's it. He already benefited, it doesn't matter, cost, he spent, put a thousand dollars into the investment, if he had a little bit of a dividend, that's it. <clears throat> Provided he sat down to eat it. If he just ate it while he's walking around like a snack, that doesn't count. It has to be something that you sit down for. So it has a little chashivas. Omar Rab Abba said, Amdi Bey Rab, and Yeshiva Rab, they said, even if you have pressed dates, even if you have pressed dates together, which um, which is even has less value, nevertheless, you are. Um, you got your dividend, and that's it. Doesn't matter how much your expenditure was, you cannot claim it back. Boy, Rabibi. Rabibi asked the question What about Chaitz of the Tamra? Let's say you have dates and you made beer out of it, and this is the residual part of those dates. What happens then? Or you really pressed a lot of them together, another shot, a lot of them together. My has even less value. 
do we say the fact is you received some kind of a dividend or that's like so insignificant it doesn't count and therefore you have a right to claim back your expenditure. Take who we don't have a, a resolution to that. What about what happens if he ate as a snack? I mean, there's still a certain amount that we can say, ah, that's considered a dividend. And what's that amount? I'm going to raise an argument to Amaraim, the Marava in Israel, in the West. Chad Omar, one of them said the size of an Issa. The Chad Omar, one of them said the size of a dinner. A dinner is far larger than an Issa. And the question is, if it's a snack, what's considered a dividend that's worthwhile? Amri Dayana, the Pupadisa, the judges of said that Abba Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda himself, um, when Uvda, he himself paskened, he himself paskened that um, um, leftover, let's say, of vines, which is not food for people, human consumption, it's just fodder for animals. Yet if you gave them to your animal, that's called a dividend. If you took from the field, that was your dividend, not even food that you can eat, but you just took some branches of vines and you gave it to your animal to eat, that's considered a dividend, and therefore you can no longer claim your expenditure. In says the Gemara, Rav Yehuda Tamei. Rav Yehuda is consistent with this view. The Amar Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda said, Ochla, we know that if you eat, we had this in Ksubis earlier on, if you eat three consecutive years on somebody's property, you have to have a contract. And if somebody comes and claims, hey, the property is not yours, you have to show your deed. But what happens once the three years go by and, um, and, and the fact that you lived there for three years is called the chazaka of three years, that in itself is evidence that you purchased the property because we don't believe for a minute that somebody owns property but allow a squatter there for three years without protesting. So what happened But those three years, you couldn't really eat the produce. Achla, Arla, let's say you, you were, there were three years there, and the first, and it happened to be there were a bunch of saplings there, and in the first three years, you cannot even enjoy the fruits. The only thing you can do is the tree. The tree is not Arla, only the fruits are Arla. So what did you do with the tree? You gave it to the animal. And according to Yehuda, feeding your animals considered like you were, like you benefited from the land, and therefore it can count as a chazak. So the same thing will apply over here. That even though it's not your food, it's animal fodder. If, if somebody can mute themselves, there's a background noise. Uh, even if, if somebody, uh, sorry, if, if animal fodder is still considered a chazaka. Um, so the same thing, shviz. If somebody, if one of the years of the three years was shmita, when you're not allowed to eat the fruit, but again, the trees are permitted. Um, and, or shviz is like everything is hefkin. Uh, or, for example, climb. And let's say, uh, it was climb, a mixture of, let's say, grapes and, and wheat or other things, Kodabiyashi, grape and wheat, but um, and other things, and the branches did not become awesome. Why aren't the branches forbidden only the fruit? It's talking about that um, you, you, if you planted a tree from the beginning, climb, that every part of it is forbidden. But if you grafted on climb to an existing tree, and then the branch grew like 200, uh, 200 times what it originally was, then that becomes climb. But if the tree part didn't grow to that extent, so the tree remains non-climb and the, and the fruit become climb. So another example, what's Abhuda saying? Even though all you're doing is feeding it your animal, it's still considered as if you're benefiting. So the same thing here. If he took from his wife's field, the dividend was he fed, he took the, 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 the vines, not the grapes, and he gave it to the animal to feed, that's good enough. That's considered a dividend and he can no longer claim the expenditure. Hareze chazaka tzavala chazaka. If somebody spends, invests money, he, he married a girl, a young girl, not by her father, because then the marriage would have been from the Torah. Her father passed away, so she was married by her siblings or by her mother, which is only Medurah 
and she brings in properties into the into the estate, the nichse malay, those pluck properties, and he spends money on it. This is very different. And, and why will it be different? It will say over here, he's no, he treated no differently than he goes into a stranger, and we can collect back the expenditure if the profit is greater and so on, as the dinim are there. Why my time? Why would why should it be any different than ordinary husband and wife? Where if you receive some kind of a dividend, you can no longer claim your expenditure. My time of Here's different. The husband is walking on eggshells. He has no idea what is what is my wife going to do. She reaches the age of twelve. She can walk right out. Why should I invest all this money today and I won't see the dividends for years to come? What for? So to give him an incentive that he should put effort into these uh, properties, we say that if you invest in money, you have you can claim them back. Even if she walks out, you can claim the expenditure back. And we're not going to say, oh, you had a modicum of a dividend. That's good enough. It doesn't work that way. My time of the... Does he take off the dividend from the, the amount he has to pay back? Yeah, yeah, he takes, yes, it's called the, the Shavach. I mean, uh, we'll learn in moments here, but how it works. In fact, we'll Gemara bring that a little bit later down. But it's, there's, there's a profit and then there's an investment and we work out, you know, which one he gets back. If the investment is greater than the profit, he should only get the value of the profit. The profit and the investment, he gets back the value uh, of the investment. We don't want him to lose out. We don't want him to say, you know what, forget about the property. Why should I invest time and effort into it? Said the Gemara, uh, he eats it as a woman. The Nuffel Abameizu is a woman that she she had a Yerusha of four hundred zoos in a faraway country, Bechazoi in the city of Chazoi, which is very distant from wherever she lived. And for whatever reason, very strange, Ozel Gaver husband went to collect it, and it cost him six hundred zoos to fly there, to get there, and to uh, and you know to stay there overnight till he got the money and come back home. He spent more money than the value of the whole thing. He spent 600 uh, zoos in order to obtain this 400 zoos. I see Arba Meir, and he brought back the 400 zoos. But how did the I've, I've lost the place again. Help me, please. Sorry. Where Somebody? are we? It's 80, 80, A2 at the bottom of the first column. 80, A2. Okay. So what happened was he spent a fortune. And um, so, um, but we learned before that if you, if you spend money and you didn't collect any dividends, you can ask for the money back. Now, in this case, there's no way that he can get more than what the original was, but he can claim back the $400. Perhaps he had no idea that it would cost that much. It turned out to be that's what it, that's what it cost him. So at least he would claim back the $400 that he had. So what happened was, <clears throat> but he ran out of money. He needed to take from the principal $1, one zuz. Now, if we treat that one zuz like a dividend, so then we learned before that if you receive even the, the smallest dividend, that's it. You can no longer claim the expenditure because if he's using the money for himself, it's like a dividend. And therefore, he has no claim at all for any of the money that he invested. Vishakam and I, he took from one zuz from the principal. Also, the Kamei Rabami, he, uh, he went to Rabami. He had, a, he had a dispute with his wife. He wanted his uh, money back. Look, his expenditure happened. The fact is, he got a little bit of a dividend. And therefore, he got, you know, he took a dollar for himself. That's it. They said to him, 
you know, that's talking about when he's taking a dividend, I guess, for his own benefit. Over here, however, <coughs> he's taking the principle and he's using it for the principle. He's taking it in order to be able to bring the money along. So he's not using it for himself at all. <coughs> Therefore, it's not a dividend. This is part of the expense. So he had no dividends. Oh, he said, that's what happened. In Ken, I guess I didn't explain to him fully what, what the money was spent for. In Ken, this is a case of paying, uh, investing, and not receiving any dividend at all. Is he shava kama he swears how much he took, the gito, and he collects. But he does not collect any more than what he spent. <clears throat> than, than, the, than the principal, sorry. If the principal is 400, he cannot collect more than 400. Says the Gemara further, Yeshua Kama he swears how much he spent if there's no dividend and he collects. As he said, provided when do we say he swears and he takes? He just made this cryptic comment when the when there's a you can assess the profit versus the expense. What exactly did he mean with that cryptic statement? Um, there's two ways of understanding it. Is he trying to be lenient or trying to be stringent? Is he trying to be lenient and say as follows, that if the, the profit and the expense are the same, then um, uh, then he has to uh, um, uh, um, swear. But if the profit is more than expense, then why swear? Let's say that the profit was $500 and he spent $400. She's still making $100. So why have the husband swear? Is that what we're trying to say? And the only time you swear is that if the profit and expense are exactly the same. So she receives, she's left with nothing to show for it. So therefore, uh, we uh, make him swear. But if the profit is less than the expense, he shouldn't even have to swear. Is that what he's trying to say? Or is he trying to be actually strict? And to you say that if the expense is, is greater than the profit, then all you collect is the amount of the profit. You cannot, of course, if you put in $500, the profit is 400, you cannot collect more than the 400. And, and even if you swear from tomorrow, why should she lose money? On the fact that you invested money, um, but the, but if you uh, if the profit and the expense were the same, or the profit is more, she only gives them the expense the, the equal expense. But you always have to swear. So which one is it? So which one are you going? Which way are you going? Sabai first wants to say to be lenient that if the profit was greater than the expense, so even if you pay out your husband, you still she's still ahead because she has a profit. Then he doesn't have to swear. He takes it out of sure because we assume. They trust each other. Only rather trust each other. There are sneaky, conniving husbands who will cheat and they will lie. In other words, why should he swear? Let's say, uh, you know, he make a bubble. So he'll make sure always that he'll, let's say he spent $400 profit. He only spent $200. He'll save us $350 because as long as it's not equal to the amount of the profit, he doesn't have to swear. So he can cheat his wife. She comes from a rich family and she's not very giving. So uh, he can cheat his wife. You're right. It's coming to be stringent. That if the expense was greater than the profit, he could only collect the, um, the expense what's equal to the profit. She should not be losing any money as a result. But always you have to swear, for sure. But you always have to swear. Says the Gemara, we have a question. What happens? Baal, what happened to the husband Shahidid Arisin? Um, what happened to the husband wasn't hired on Aris as a sharecropper? A sharecropper it puts a lot of time and effort into your property, but instead of paying him a wage, he gets a share in the profits. It's, it's an inducement to, um, to cause them to work harder and they don't work nine to five, they'll work whatever hours it takes, you know, six days a week. 
to make sure that everything is profitable because they have a vested interest. They benefit as well. So what happened was this husband hired these sharecroppers, but then they divorced, which means the property goes back to her. Mahu. And the question is, does she have to pay out now and uh, these are recent or not? Mahu. Do we say a date the balnochis? Do we say a date the balnochis that that these uh, sharecroppers are actually working for the husband? Istalukle bal now that the husband is no longer involved with the, with his wife, they're divorced. Is They also lose out, and and that's it. They cannot collect from the wife because she never worked for her. Nor um, and and um, uh, what do you call? It? And nor can they collect from the husband because they knew that they're working for the husband. They knew that if they ever get divorced, they'll never get paid. So they came in with the, the eyes wide open and they knew they're taking a risk. So they get nothing at all. Even though the husband hired them, they wouldn't work for him. They're working for the land. Whoever the owner of the land is has to reimburse them. The land is still there, so they have to, she has to pay them. That's what they're asking. How is this different than the case of somebody? What we see, we have somebody goes into someone else's field, without permission. They saw the field was the trees were dying and everything else, so they went in and they planted properly this garden without any permission. They still get reimbursed. Whichever is less, if the profit is less than the expense, they get the equivalent of the profit. If the if the expense is less than the profit, they get the equivalent of Expense. He says, over there, the big difference. Over there, you walk by a field, you see all these trees dying. Obviously, there's nobody there to work on the field. So they went in, they had every right to work to help another person out, and they should also get compensated for something. Here, the wife can say, Why should I pay you? I have a husband. That's what his job is. The, the deal was he gets a dividend, but he has to invest the time and effort. I don't need you guys. You're not working for me. My hobby law, bottom line. If the husband himself knows how to deal with the land on his own, he's himself like a sharecropper, then he's talking So therefore, she can definitely say, I rely on my husband. He's not working for me. My husband, he, he knows how to deal with the farm. And that's it. But he himself is not really an artist. You can't say I rely on my husband. Your husband is useless. He's two left hands. Then I don't let kind, but then they're no worse than a stranger coming into your land and helping you out that you have to reimburse them. Iboilu, and another question, the husband's rights to the woman's property, the milk and are that he gets a dividend. How far do we take this right? Is the right merely that he can take the dividends, or does he have a right to sell the right to the dividends as well? Is a Baal Shemocha Karkula a husband who sold the, 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 the land of his wife to somebody, but not for the land itself, it's essentially his wife, but the right to the Pedis. Ma, what's it then then? Mi Amrinan, do we say that the Kon, what did he sell? He sold the rights. He has the rights. He can unsell it. They only said that the husband has the right to the fruits. And the reason is, there's another reason. Before we, previously we learned, what's the whole idea? Of, um, of saying that the, that the husband gets a dividend. We said, because uh, him getting the dividends, he will, um, uh, what do you call it? He will take care of her. But now we're saying a new reason. The reason, you know what the reason is? We want that if the husband gets a dividend, there's plenty of money roaming on the house and therefore he'll be generous and he will, you know, take care of his wife, buy better food and take care of all of these things.
<clears throat> so, um, um, before we learned that the Nixon Meloig was so that, as we learned before, he should pay for the ransom of his wife if he's taken into captivity, which seems to be very commonplace in those days. But there's another reason we're giving up. And the other reason we're giving up is because of Abel Basin. Abel is but no one ever gave him the right to unsell it. Is a Yehuda Mar So we have an argument. Yehuda Mar Barmeremar, the said name of Rava, Masha Asa Asa. If he sold it, he has the right to sell the rights. Papa Mashmed Rava, Papa comes along and said the name of Rava as well. You have no right to sell the rights that you had to the dividend. He made a mistake. It's not that Rav said one thing today and another thing tomorrow. No, he misunderstood a certain a certain episode that happened and he interpreted wrong. So Rav never changed his mind. What happened? They said there's a woman, the idol of the Gavra, Tati there's a woman that she brought into the marriage two maids to her husband to take care of the house. Meanwhile, this husband married a second wife. And I he took that second uh, the second second wife and he took one of the maids. He said, This should be your personal maid. Now, apart from doing chores in the house, she'll also do things for you personally. So it's as if he unsold the right that he has to what, what are the dividends? The dividends are the maid, the work that she does in the house. It's as if he unsold it. And also the camera of Roberts, the first woman who brought the two maids, screamed, Hey, what right did my husband have to take one of the maids and, and, and make the private of the second wife, make her a private maid? So, man, the one who witnessed this event, saw what he thought, he thought, Listen, even though he has the right, so if, if he sold the rights, so he gave the right to another woman, fine. But the lie, he misunderstood. The only reason why. Why we say that um, we uh, want the dividends to go to him. The second reason is so there should be more, should be a more comfortable life. But how could Allah here, since who do we give it to? To the second wife who lives in the same house. So at the end of the day, even though the maid is considered the maid of the second wife, most of the work that she does is in the house and everyone benefits from it collectively. So therefore, he didn't ever take away, diminish in any way the Rabbah base. The Hilchas on the is. If he gives the maid servant to the second wife, the second wife has to work less. Because so, if, he brings a, if she brings so, in a wife, if she brings in a, a slave... Yeah, uh, yeah, so what? So, but as long as he also cleans the house and everything else... All but then the first the wife house, also has to work more because she's only brought in one slave. Are you talking about a good question? Oh, you're talking about if you bring in... No, no, she's, she's still brought in two. So whatever the law is regarding two... Oh, we okay. had before, two maids, that stays the same. He only has a dividend of it. Not that, remember, the, 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 in essence, she still owns those two shvachas. So that, you know, so that doesn't change. It's a dividend, it's the use. So if a husband sells the property with the rights, the halach is, however, that like a papa, that um, it's not, a, it's not a, he cannot sell at all the, the, the rights that he has to the dividends. Why not? My time. Abai says, because the people who are buying it, they don't know if they're going to keep it long term. Because what happens if the husband dies first or they divorce? It goes right back to the wife. So they're not going to spend too much money on the field. And eventually the field might just die. That's the reason why we don't want the husband to unsell the dividends. The husband himself will invest time because he hopes that, you know, he's much more hopeful. But to give it to a stranger, they're not going to invest money in the property properly. 
And Rabbi says, Mishum Rabbi says the whole idea is that the, the, there should be plenty of money floating around the house. And if he sells the property, he'll get a, a bulk sum, but he'll use it all up and that's gone. On the other hand, Rabbi Beis, the dividends are constantly coming in. And therefore the house, you know, is a, is a much more comfortable place to live in. So when my benai, what's that two reasons? Ikabanai, a few differences. What happens? Let's say the land is right next to the city. So the husband can see if these buyers are not taking care of the property, he can you know take it back or put some work into it. So therefore, in this case over here, there's um, there's no problem of Shema Taxi, but there is a problem of Abasa. You're not getting your constant dividends. Second is Inami If the husband himself is a farmer, so he can fix up what, what do you mean? He is the aris, he's the sharecropper. So when he sells the, the, the he sells the dividends, he's not giving them the property to work. He'll still work on it, except that he will give them all the all the produce that comes out of it. So therefore, there's no there's no concern that the property will devalue or be degraded. On the other hand, you'll lack the rabbach basically, no longer against the constant flow of dividends. We're talking about money. And he takes the money and he puts it, he takes money from another first, but he invests in a business. So there'll be plenty of money in the house, maybe even better than just from the farm. So on the one hand, Rabbi base is not a concern, but if it's degrading the property, it's still a problem. It's her property and she's worried that the property will be neglected. Next Mishnah. Shemedes Yavam. Now we're going to talk about a woman that is a Shemedes Yavam. We had a whole Gemara Yavam Masana. Shemedes Yavam is like in a state of in between. She's partially attached. We had a Zika. We had a big Machlekes. How far we take Zika? She's partially attached to her brother-in-law, and she's partially independent. So sort of in between, an in between stage. And um, so Shemedes Yavam. She's now in waiting. And she's not on the chosim. Now, what happens to Shemedes Yavam is she does not collect the ksula from her first husband because she's about to marry the second, the brother, who step in. And the brother, just the same ksula that was valid for the first husband is now valid for the second. They don't write a new ksula. It's a continuation because the husband steps in, Shimon steps into Reuben's shoes. But what happens was she's not on the chosim. She inherited an estate while she was in that, you know, in that time waiting. We had yesterday an argument while she was engaged and she had um, she she inherited something. Can she sell it that period while she's engaged? Or does the husband have certain rights? Bishama says he can sell out right. But it's a sale. But when it comes to Shemeris Yavam, which is a step less than a woman who's engaged, so the husband's rights or the brother's rights are very little, then everyone agrees. She can sell it and give it away, give it away, and it's a valid sale. May so what happens now? She dies. Okay, she's a Shemeris Yavam, and she dies. What happens now with the Ksuba from her first husband? Who gets it? She has her family, and the husband has his family. And the husband died before her. But the problem was, if the husband died before her and they had children, then obviously, you know, go, everything goes back to her. The problem was that there was a brother-in-law who was going to step into the husband's shoes. That's sort of in there somewhere. So there's the, there's him and his and his heirs. And then there is um, her original family. So what happens to the ksuva? When we say ksuva, there's three parts to the ksuva. There's the ksuva, the $100 and $200 and anything else he adds to it. There's then the ksuva, the dowry that the woman brings in or the father of the woman brings into the marriage. And then there is the nichse maloig, the property that she brings into the marriage, which is not, but nichse maloig are not incorporated in ksuva. Then you have the nichse tzambarzal. These are property that she brings in. They're assessed and they they're, they're put a value into the ksuva and the husband takes full responsibility regardless of what the value is when they divorce. They have to give that value what's written in the ksuva. Traces brings that the vast majority of women used to bring nichse term barzel. They did not really go ahead with nichse maloik. 
rather they did nixit to Barza, they would put an evaluation on it. And we had a whole way of system of doing evaluations. Remember, we added a certain amount of these, or diminished, they were reduced because they used to exaggerate uh, by dowry and all that. So, um, what do they do with her ksuva? And the ksuva here means the dowry according to Rashi, and the others disagree. And the nixim alike, these are the properties not written in the ksuva, but these come into the marriage and the husband gets dividends and then you take it back when the marriage dissolves. What happens? <clears throat> Um, says, im that um, the, when, um, when we say over here that we divide, there's two groups of heirs, his, the Yavim, and there is her family. So they divide equally, and we're talking about the Nixim Malik. But when it comes to the Ksuva, uh, Reuben is supposed to pay a Ksuva to her. And then the brother steps in, and then she passed away. That ksuva does not go to her family because the ksuva was never given over. And the money is sitting with Reuben, and now Reuben's heir is his brother. So that does not get divided. But the nixim leg, which originally was hers, and the husband gets the dividends, and if the husband outlives her, he gets the property. So we divide it equally between the two families. <clears throat> but Basil says, Nechasim Becheskasim, this is Machlekes, Bingochis, Hadalanus, we'll learn how Rashi learns. Rashi learns about three things being said here, not like Tayshu learns out two. Nechasim, when it comes to Nechasim, what's Nechasim referring to? That's the Nechasim time Basel. That's the property she brings in, and you fix a price on it, and the husband takes takes full responsibility to make sure that she gets that equivalent of price whenever it gets dissolved. So the Nechasim time Basel is Beches Kosan. You leave it where it is. And Rashi brings down the Gemara later on, argues in Barbasra, where when we say leave it where it is, what does that mean where it is? Is it in where it is by the husband because he takes full responsibility, or where it is by the wife because it was her property initially? Big machlekes. Okay, well that's where you leave it where it is. Case number two, uksuva. When it comes to the ksuva, becheskes yoshiabal. When it comes to the ksuva, the ksuva means a hundred to two hundred dollars, and the addition that he adds to the ksuva that remains with the husband. When it comes to the dowry. That goes back to her family. But so to the Nikhsim it goes back to her family. Okay, next. What about What about, let's say, the brother did not leave any, Ruvain, the original husband, did not leave any land, any properties, but he left behind metal portable items. And the big machlek is we had already if metalkalin are indebted to a ksuva or not. Rameir holds that they are. We had a few days ago, and a chum holds they're not. And this is Rameir. So if the brother left behind money, yilkach behen karka. If the brother left behind money, he can go ahead and buy property. He, sorry, you have to go ahead and buy property because this money now belongs to the ksuva. And he goes ahead and eats the fruits. In other words, that this money, he doesn't lean on this money from Exuvah, so therefore he has no right to use it for himself. He has to go ahead and uh, and purchase property land, and um, and that's what Exuvah will rely on, and the dividends, as usual, goes to him. Paid is hatlushim in the carcass, so do fruits that were cut off. So again, these are metalclin. <coughs> Amir holds, they're indebted to the carcass. Yilkel ben karka, you buy land. Buhu eichel paid us. And again, the husband gets a dividend. Because these are all indebted, Mortgaged, encumbered to the ksuva. What about a mechabar mekarka? What about the attached to the land? We had a machleg a few days ago. Remain the chachami. Remain holds that attached to the land has the same status as land itself. So what do you do with these fruits? 
So we do, we assess the value of the land without the fruits, the value of the land with the fruits, and that's the value of the fruits. And then he has to pay you that money, buy land with it, and, uh, and then he gets a dividend. You value the property, what's it worth with the fruits, without the fruits. leftovers, you buy land, he gets a dividend. Because all this is encumbered to the Ksuvah. However, the Chachami say, the fruits that are attached to the land, they said before, is metalkin, so therefore it belongs to him. However, the Gemara later on is going to say it's impossible it belongs to him. The fact is the brother left it behind, it was attached to the ground, that's part of the land at the moment, according to everybody. And the Gemara will say later, we have to change the, the edit to Mishnah, instead of saying Shaloi, it says Shaloi, it's actually hers. But at Lushim Nekaka, this is what they argue with Rameh. If it's this can, if it's already been harvested, which means it's now just metalkin, metalkin are unencumbered. A woman does not rely on metalkin because they know you can hide it, you can get rid of it very quickly. So therefore, it's not encumbered to the Ksuva. It's called Hakoidim Zachaber. Whoever gets the first, it belongs to them. Kodim Hu Zacha. If he gets the first, the husband, the, the Oshimin, the, the future brother-in-law, there it's like Kodim If she gets the first, then it comes hers, and again, Yilker ben Kaka, you buy with it land, and he, he gets a dividend. But Kansa, once the brother-in-law marries her, it's considered just like his wife, and the Gemara later on will explain what he means like his wife in what regard, that's Tamar's Gemara, However, even though it's now totally his wife, he doesn't write her a new ksuba. He still uses the ksuba that was written to the first husband, and that's the ksuba that's active now, because he is stepping into the shoes of the first husband. He should not say to her, uh, here, here, take this, this is the money, this is where you're going to collect your ksuba from in the future. Cannot say that. The entire, all the assets of Reuben are encumbered to this silver. And, and therefore she can collect from any of that and we'll see later whether he has a right to sell it or not. Likewise, if he did sell it, what happens? Likewise, forget about Yavama's sister, even his own wife. He should never say, here is the, the money you collect. Should not say that. Because uh, then the wife feels very uncomfortable because you can lose the money and then she has nowhere to collect the tool from. All the nechassim, the entire assets are encumbered to the ksuba. But there's a difference between a, a sister-in-law and a wife. When it comes to a wife, even though uh, all the assets are encumbered, he can sell whatever properties he wants. And um, as long as he leaves something behind for the ksuba. And if it comes uh, that they get the, the marriage dissolved and she has to collect the ksuba and there's not enough money there, she has every right to go to every one of the buyers and to collect, or to the most recent ones, and work their way back to collect the full value of Aksuva. But when it comes to Yibum, you have no right to sell any of those properties. Okay, the Reuben's properties, you have no right to sell them. Girsha, if he divorced her, Einla El If he divorced her, then he only has to pay her out. And as long as he didn't get divorced, obviously there's encumbrance and all the assets. But once he divorced her, then that's it, he pays her out, that lien is gone. Um, um, let's say he divorced her and then he takes her back as his wife she's treated in every respect like any other woman and no if he comes back she still continues with the very first like your own wife if you take her back you don't pay her out to ksubas. if you divorce your wife and then you take her back you don't pay her ksubas once and then give her ksubas a second time the very first ksubas it becomes activated again if you didn't pay her out yet it becomes activated again same thing with the Yibam 
says the Gemara, 